so back to some familiar topics today on No Nonsense. A recent and very interesting Supreme Court of Canada decision on the whole question of free expression and censorship saying that hurt feelings are not enough to censor what you might read in a newspaper or on the internet. So that's an interesting, although very close decision. And then, of course, the discussion continues over Bill C-10, the curbing free speech bill, as I will um, describe it in shorthand. The new minister, Minister Pablo Rodriguez, has suggested that the government will bring that back. They have every intention of doing it. And another bill, 36, which is about uh, restricting harmful speech, again, where that Supreme Court decision uh, really matters. So with us uh, today is Peter Menzies. He's been our guest, and we really appreciate it when you uh, come back and walk us through these things. A newspaper man by trade, but he spent 10 years as a member of the CRTC, the Radio and Television Commission, and served as the the vice chair of telecommunications for the province of Alberta. He's been spending most of his time writing a recent report called Back to the Future about what we should be doing when it comes to digital policy and uh, continuing to look at Bill C-10 and the problems that it creates. So Peter, welcome. Thanks for being with us again. No, thanks for the opportunity. Always happy to be here. So let, let's just start with where you think we're going. Um, Stephen Gilbo, the minister responsible for C10, seemed to be in hot water everywhere. He was not a good proponent or sales uh, person for this. He's now been moved out, and we have Pablo Rodriguez, who uh, he knows his way through the parliamentary system. He was house leader. He knows how to get stuff done. Are you um, convinced that they're going to come back at this with strength? Uh, I kind of am. Um, I, I, we, I shared with uh, our former chairman at the uh, CRTC, Conrad Van Finkenstein, an op-ed in the Globe and Mail a couple of weeks ago that basically said, before you do this, you know, um, pause, <laughs> take a deep breath, right? Think it through. Um, because there are some things you don't have to do um, that, that Bill C-10, you know, why are you doing Bill C-10? Essentially, they're doing Bill C-10 because a certain segment of the cultural community is afraid of change and afraid that it will harm them economically. So what do they really want? They want money. And if you want to give them money, then do it. Um, but you don't have to, my suggestion would be, I mean, you, you certainly don't have to regulate the entire internet to do that. If you want to make, if you want streaming companies to contribute to Canadian cultural funds and have the old, you know, one third French and one third English um, divide and maintain that within those funds and and constantly make films that um, serve a public uh, policy purpose, but not a market purpose. I mean, go ahead, right? Um, You're the government, you get to do that, but there's no need to drag the rest of us into this at all. Just if they want money, go get the money. Um, leave the internet alone. Leave our speech alone. Leave my Facebook posts alone. Leave my videos pl- of me playing with grandchildren, my grandchildren alone. Yeah. This is, uh, I, there seems to be a real, I mean, there's a conference underway this week on this issue. People, pros and cons. People not really understanding what the full implications of this will be. As you say, if you want to 
protect in the old way Canadian content and in particular Quebec content or French content, which is what they were focused on, then then just do that. But this notion that we're going to regulate everything that we upload to Twitter, or Facebook, or um, as you say, pictures of the grandkids, that this has real profound implications uh, for free speech, for the Constitution, for a whole lot of issues. Yeah, I mean, to start with, I mean, the paper I did with Irene Berkowitz for the McDonald-Laurier Institute, one of the points we were trying to make in there was that, I mean, why don't you look at the internet as an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. The lens they're getting is from this relatively small segment of the of the cultural community um, that pretends to speak for the entire cultural community. Um, and they want change to stop, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's this other cultural community, the 100,000 uh, Canadians who are uploading to YouTube, right? The 25 to 30,000 Canadians who actually have full-time jobs um, through in, in creating art and programming and on all kinds of, of different sort of opportunities through YouTube and are going out and conquering the world with it, right? Like, so you're gonna stop that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stop the world of opportunity in order to preserve this sort of 1985 cable network system. That's going to do real harm to the people it pretends to be protecting. You're not protecting anybody by doing that. The government needs to have a proper, intelligent, well-thought-out internet strategy. You don't harness the internet. You ride it. I, I want to read back to you some of your words that, you know, really jumped out at me in this report that you did called Back to the Future, because it does feel that way. Um, we can no longer define ourselves as gatekeepers in a world in which there may be no gates. How can we act as an enabler of Canadian expression rather than as a protector? How can we shift our focus from rules and processes and procedures to actual outcomes. I think that sort of sums up that we need a rethink. They need to change their entire view of this. Yeah, it's 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 so hard for 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 that that community to think outside that box. Because all it when you've lived inside a box for 40 years, all you know is the box. Right? <laughs> that's that's all you can see. You can't imagine that there's something else, right? Then something comes along and you hear some sawing on the box or you hear some knocking on the box, you get frightened, right? And, and you, you actually don't, um, and I don't mean this personally, there's a lot of very talented people involved in this, but in the, in the overall culture, you don't understand the world beyond it. You're frightened by it, right? Even if it's not a box, right? Even if it's this big, even if it's a sky, if it's a room without a ceiling, right? Um, this is, and that's what the internet is compared to the old world. This boxed CRTC, we used to call it the walled garden, right? Um, yeah. Stop yeah. being afraid of the of the outside world, and that the, the 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 Broadcasting Act is something that is built to protect Canada from the outside world, right? When the only outside world we could access was over the air TV from Buffalo, right? Right, um, and that was a threat. Right. So fair enough. But the Internet is a lot more than over the air TV from Buffalo. Right. And it's a two way street. 
right? And it is that opportunity, as you say, for many Canadian artists or influencers or whoever it may be to strut their stuff on the world stage, not the Canadian stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bigger market. We were protecting ourselves from invasion from a relatively small market in Upper New York State, um, uh, where as if we were on the other. If, if just think about it, if the roles were reversed and Buffalo was a city of six or seven, you know, market of six million people, and Niagara Falls was just filled with TV stations able to broadcast into it, we'd think it was wonderful. Right, that we could expand out it. But if you think about it, that's what the internet is. There's a market. When you think about English language production, for instance, there are 120 million Anglophones in India. Right? There's only like 27 million in Canada. Right? <laughs> so, and there's three, and there's, I don't know, 300 some million in the United States, and there's 70 million in the United Kingdom, and there's I don't know how many million in South Africa and 16 million in Australia and 5 million more in New Zealand. I mean, that's the market. And we've got the talent, right? So why would we take our talent and just stuff it into the regulatory attic like our mad auntie, you know? It's it's nuts. There are some questions here that I think as we have that discussion about getting out into the 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 real world of the internet is and and we have to wrestle this so how are we going to or how should we be defining canadian content is that anything that any canadian does and and therefore how can we subject that to some kind of regulatory process when what they do is so vastly different They may be uh, writing a blog or they may be producing a Hollywood movie that's seen around the world. Right. Well, right now, the the sort of official CanCon definition comes through. um, It's called MAPL, Maple Formula. That's, uh, you know, you check off a certain number of boxes and you get a certain number of points and you qualify. And it's always been confusing because sometimes it produces just work. Um, So. Trying to figure out whether this is actually an industrial subsidy, whether it's just something that creates work for, you know, um, it's written by a Canadian or it's supported by a Canadian or the production staff are all Canadian, the gaffer, the mm, camera person is Canadian and that sort of stuff. So it created, you know, um, 50 uh, temporary Canadian jobs. So it's Canadian. Um, I watched a, a Canadian film on Netflix last winter that was entirely about American crimes. It was it was funded by um, Film Canada and and uh, had some Quebec funding as well. And there wasn't uh, even though some of it was set in Montreal, I think, um, or Lachine, um, there wasn't there was nothing Canadian culturally about it. So the government actually needs. Because um, the CRTC's, I think, always been hesitant to make that decision. Because it, I mean, I think it's a decision the government should make. Mm-hmm. What do you want to subsidize? Do you want to subsidize cultural content, or do you want to subsidize jobs? Because yeah. if you want to subsidize cultural content, let's go make the Vimy Ridge movie, mm-hmm. right? And let's not care whether the actor, the lead actor, yes, if you can get Matt Damon to, if you can get Matt Damon to play the lead actor and make right. it a huge hit and tell the world the story, 
go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Tell a great Canadian story, and we will fund that. As it, I mean, as it stands, we've spent billions and billions and billions of dollars, and we have not made the Vimy Ridge movie. But a story um, about American crime uh, numbers, as long as there's a Canadian camera person or, a, you know, one actor who's on screen for five seconds, that all of a sudden becomes Canadian content. Sure. Actually, in, in, in the instance I'm thinking about, and I just can't recall the name of the program right now, one of the actors won a Canadian Screen Actors Award for it. Yeah. And she was playing an American... <laughs> In an American in an American story. I mean, good for her. She acted well and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I don't think that's really what people think that's about. So if you want to tell stories about Canada, if you want to fund films that tell Canadian stories, and I think there's a lot of filmmakers out there who'd like to do that, change the rules or either or have two sets of rules. Because right now, if you're just looking at job creation, the the marketplace is doing that very well, right? The the Canadian film and 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 film and television production industry has never had it better, right? It's grown by 80% over 10 years. Um, It's even during the pandemic, as was pointed out in the paper with Irene, it's at like 98% employment. Um, It's just doing great. So there's not a problem. Um, Apart from the fact that a bunch of guys in Montreal are nervous about how much money they can make down the road, um, I, I don't think the government has really defined a problem, which is why um, the solution is so vague. Well, and that and seems bad. to be what it's about. If they are really trying to per, uh, preserve or ensure, guarantee a French presence in on the internet or on movie screens or wherever it may be, but certainly it becomes an issue in the internet, and calling it Canadian content rather than... French-speaking content or Quebec-based content, then they're even muddying the waters further. If they want to accomplish that goal, then say that's what their goal is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the problems with C10, one of the huge, not necessarily the biggest one, but there were a lot of big ones. Like that was a really, you know, C10, if they come back with it as is, that's, I think Minister Rodriguez is way too smart to do that. Um, cause that was, um, you know, I mean, I think, uh, Charlie Angus has called it a dumpster fire, right. And said, move yeah. on and let's not go near it. And Charlie's got a pretty sharp eye when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, um, and it's not like he isn't interested in the creative side. I mean, he's, a, he plays a pretty mean guitar himself from what I understand, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the idea that they were leaving so much to, to the CRTC. They weren't telling them exactly what they wanted. It was just like, here, here's a whole bunch of problems. We're going to give you authority over it. You fix it. And you're going right? to be a cultural censor. And then just to boot, we're going to throw in all that other stuff that's on the internet. So if anybody says anything that we don't like, you need to be able to throw that out too. <laughs> well, you know, and if you just look at the uh, the oversight committee for, imagine the volume of work. I mean, there are people proposing, right. there are propon- proponents from C10 who sort of say, oh, no, the CRTC could handle that. You know, they don't have to be a lot bigger. They can manage that with that sort of stuff. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like the Facebook Oversight Committee in its first quarterly report managed 500,000 submissions, right, in three months. And 90% of those were from the United States and Canada, right? Um, 
So I don't know, divided up, there were at least 50, if, even if you go with, a, you know, 85, 95, there were at least 60, 65,000 complaints from Canada, uh, right? Or issues or appeals for, I said something, somebody squealed on me for saying something inappropriate. Somebody said something or, mean about me. Uh, some, yes, yeah, somebody. And, and you're dealing with that, right? Now, you can't deal with that, right? You've got to, you'd, you'd have to carve it out. Or the problem is, is maybe they try to do it. So the government needs to, and that was a suggestion Conrad and I made, carve it out, yeah. um, exempt everybody except companies um, that uh, have subscriber or advertising revenue in Canada of $100 million or more. If you want to go after the big big tech and keep that money in the country, then just be focused, go after it, go get the money and give it to whoever you want to then. But to uh, leave the rest life, of us alone. They, yeah, they'd be happy to write the check for that rather than go through this whole process. It costs them millions, millions of dollars to try and censor the internet and the substance, you know, the, the substance of it. Right. I mean, it's, and here's the deal with the internet. It's infinite. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like the difference between, okay, we're going to regulate planet earth and now, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going ah, well, what the heck, let's regulate the whole universe. Right. <laughs> you know, like okay. one thing you can actually grasp the other thing yes. you cannot. You just can't. So, so that was your that was one of your basic points, which is you can't take these old rules that have guided broadcast television in Canada and some radio stations and say, okay, now all of a sudden all these streaming services, we're just going to call them broadcasters and then impose the same rules on them. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's the mentality that's troubling, right? Yeah. It's the, it, it's sort of like time is frozen in 1985, yeah. and and we're going to we're going to grab, uh, you know, the 21st century and stuff it into the 20th, right? Um, <laughs> Just hold it on back. Well, you know, it's like calling uh, you know a railway the iron the iron an iron horse, right? When new right. technology comes along, people always try to define it. Um, in relation by the technology the they've known, like when the yeah. automobile. Um, first appeared, it was a horseless carriage, right? Yeah. The the train the, the the train was the iron horse, right? The people take a while to get their heads around things, and certainly when the automobile came along, all those guys who were growing hay um, to feed all the horses that were being used were their business was in a lot of trouble because yeah. there was going to be a lot less hay eaten in the years to come. Were sold. The guys who were running livery stables were in trouble. Um, but also some guys went, Hey, wait a second. Um, those cars are going to break down. They're going to need to get fixed. I'm going to, you know, create, uh, they're going to need gas, you yeah. know? Um, so you, you either try to, um, exploit change and, uh, and, and, and use it to your advantage, or you try to, um, fight it. And if you fight it, you will lose. It's and and I mean the absurdity is you've just described of trying to make a streaming service a broadcaster so that the rules would apply instead of rethinking it. One worse is that <clears throat> anybody that uploads to the internet, you, me, whoever it may be, should also in 
fact be considered a broadcaster and therefore subject to the same rules. That's even more impossible when you take it from the streaming service itself to the to the people that feed the stream. Right. Well, what we're doing right now is recording video, right? Right. This would be, so it's video, so you would be, uh, well, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what their term was, but you would be a type of broadcasting distribution unit, which is the yeah. term used yes. for cable companies and that sort of stuff. Therefore, you would be subject to this and you would be doing this very broadly with the permission of the CRTC, um, who could wish to, if they wanted to, set guidelines for you and say, you know, that's fine, but uh, you can't have Mr. Menzies on because he might be critical of us yeah. or or, th or things like that. One of the things uh, C10 did was it, it said that it excluded, and this will probably come up in the debate, it said that it excluded um, personal posts, right? Which but it, it did, but <laughs> it didn't, right? Yes. What it did then was it made, you know, it said, okay, uh, uh, Peter or Pamela, your Facebook post, we're, no, we're not going to regulate that. What we're going to do is regulate Facebook, right? And if Facebook allows you to post something that breaks our rules, then we're going to tell, then Facebook will be, will have to take it down. Right. Yeah. So and it's kind of like shut you down and then we'll have more cancel. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to do, do you any harm, but here's my big friend. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. He's going to, he's going to tell you what to do. Right. On my behalf. So it, it's kind of, shifting the burden of thuggery in that to that extent. No, and then it's misused as we've seen with Facebook and its political purpose. But even here, the former minister, um, Mr. Guilbeault, I mean, perhaps he didn't mean to say it so clearly, but he did, which is, and we, if we don't like what you're talking about, or if you're critical of our government, we'll, we may take that down. I mean, we that's where the fear really came in of what the what the ulterior motive was here. Sure, and and if yes, at the end of the day, they could they could uh, order a website to be taken down if they if it didn't follow the direction of their um, their new rules in terms in terms of that sort of stuff. And, and that what it, these sorts of things create chills, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're the company that's being regulated. Um, and the, the government has a certain set of expectations or a government appointed body has a certain set of expectations, you're going to err on the, the side of caution, right? If if you're talking about facing big multi-million dollar fines like uh, Gilbo talked about because um, he really wanted to crack down on big tech, right? Yeah. Just like he's going to crack down on, you know, oil and gas now and, you know, bring that to heel, Right. Um, that's that's sort of his instinct. He likes to find these big things and bring them to, bring them to heel. Um, they will come to heel. I mean, they'll either shut down and leave, but and some smaller companies might, but they'll likely come to heel. Um, but they will do their bidding. They'll do their sort of dirty work for them, and and it's very intimidating because it sets a chill. They, and they can say, well, hey, it's not our rules. If they want to, yeah. if they want to say, there's no. You know, no political commentary on their platform. That's their prerogative. I just read something the other day about Rumble, which is kind of an alternative to Twitter and some other things, which was Canadian based. They're now moving to Florida because 
they too have been looking at these possible rule changes and said, who who needs to live under that? We're just going to get out of Dodge. Well, exactly. Wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, um, this is, and this is when we get into free speech issues, this is what gets interesting. And what's a recent Supreme Court decision gets interesting. Right. In, in the United States, it's absolute. Right. Free speech. Period. Yeah. Period. Right? Yep. And their courts uphold it. And you can go in and say, but, you know, that was very intimidating what he said. I found it frightening. It was racist. It was sexist. It was um, anti-Semitical. And the courts will say, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, too bad. So sad. Um, That's what America is all about. It's about freedom. Yeah. Um, sue the guy. You know, you can always sue the person. Um, that's how the white supremacists were shut down in in Idaho, in the United States, so civil action was taken against them, right? For for violation of um, of, of people who are affected by their racism and anti-Semitism for violation of their civil rights, right? And they basically sued the guys out of existence, right? So they have there are methods that you can you can deal with that. But in terms of the government telling you what you can say or do, they're not going to touch that. Whereas in Canada. There's this sort of, you know, um, the the right is more aspirational. We believe yeah. in freedom of speech, and it should not be fettered, unless you've got a good we reason. Don't for like it, it. <laughs> unless you bring a good reason for it. And in this recent decision about the uh, comic in Quebec, I mean, it was a five-four decision, right? Yeah. And so four of them, um, from what I've read, I haven't read the whole decision, but from what I've read, commentators about it, um barely um, mentioned free speech. They were concerned with the impact of the speech on a member of an identifiable group um, and fretted quite a bit about that. And I think we've seen in some recent Supreme Court decisions that involve charter rights that this happened in the Trinity Western decision about their law school, where they started talking about a centrality of rights. Right, because yeah. people were saying, "Well, sometimes rights conflict. You know, might right for this and and that sort of thing." But and who's wins? You know, and, and they were accused of making a hierarchy, making one right more important than the others. But I think it's to be honest, blunting. I think it's just fudging it. They said, "No, it's more a centrality." Yeah. So it's not a hierarchy. One isn't higher than the other, but one's more central than the other. Which means some rights are moving to the fringe, and some rights are moving to the center. And if your right to be to live your life unoffended um, is becoming more central than your right to be offensive, yeah. um, then that's something maybe we should talk about. <laughs> no, we need to have that discussion because the whole point, uh, you know, and and uh, uh, the the words that we've seen from Justice Wagner here, there was, you know. A person's right to freedom of expression is protected not in order to protect him, but in order to protect a public good, a benefit which respect for the right of free expression brings to all of those living in a society. He goes on and makes a, an eloquent argument, but that's it. If we start restricting what we can hear or see or listen to or read, then we are going to be more limited and constrained as a people if we don't have access to free ideas and free thought. Right. I mean, if everything is a collective right, as the esteemed justice is, is arguing there, then nothing is an individual right, right? That we all submit our individualism to the collective. 
right? Yeah. In terms of that. So anytime I speak, sure, Mr. Menzies, you may speak, but you better check out what you're going to say first with uh, Ms. Wallen because, yeah. um, and go, go into the room and sort of ask everybody, okay, this is what I'm thinking of saying. What do you think, guys? And I'll get some feedback and then I'll say it. But they'll say, hey, you're free to say whatever you want, but you're not. You're submitting yeah. to the collective. I and mean, we'll I would, it down if it. I think if, there's probably yeah. some there's some better qualified people than me who would make a pretty good argument that say that would say, no, I was actually around when they were putting the Carter to, the charter together, yeah. and I remember John Diefenbaker's Bill of Rights, and those were very, very, very much intended to protect individual freedom, exactly. right? And it, it certainly and that individual freedom itself is a public good. Yes, and this notion that you have somehow a right to live your life without ever being offended or hearing something that makes you angry. I mean, it, it it's just, it's even less realistic in the world we're in now with the internet and the access to all of these things that that we then we could have imagined. That's why you opt for freedom of expression and my right to shut you off if I don't like you, but not the state's right to shut you off. Sure. At, at six o'clock every morning, my radio comes on and I hear the CBC National um, World News, right? That's how I start my day. By eight minutes after six, when that newscast is over, I have been offended at least four or five times. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you still keep turning and it on. <laughs> somehow I summon, summon the courage and fortitude yeah. to carry yeah. on through the day. I do not go back under back to my bed and hide under my covers, right? Um, like, I mean, this is this is life. I mean, when to stand up for freedom of speech uh, seems to take a lot of courage these days, and it was just a no-brainer a very short time ago. You know, whatever happened to, you know, um, uh, I disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your freedom to say it, sort of thing. That sort of. Those those sort of virtues, so that, that that's that sort of meaning. Whereas now it's I disagree with what you say, and I'm going to make sure you're canceled, and you never get on Twitter again, and you never say a mean thing again the rest of your life. I mean that means that people have lost the. I mean there's some cases where people are just ridiculous. I get that, um, but that's the price you pay for our freedom. Yes, right? that's, that's my, my exactly. tolerance of something you say that offends me gives me the freedom to say something that may offend you. Yeah. And let's face it, in politics. Um, just That's about a anything. occurrence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's but you know but the way you succeed at it isn't by canceling the other person out. It is. It's not by creating regulators to silence people. It's by having a better argument. Yes. It's by engaging in a civil fashion with your ideological or philosophical opponent. Right. You know, and and maybe at the end of that, you both kind of go, oh, "Gee, she she might have a point there," and you yeah, go, "She might have a point there." Right? That's and you the actually point. come up the, with some something that, sensible. That's right? the point. Um, what concerns me, I guess, in this, um, uh, when we're discussing this, is that Cabinet has said it will reintroduce uh, Bill C-36, which is more precisely about this, the harms bill, that if I harm you psychologically by what I say, that, um, uh, that that's going to be subject to the law. The problem is, and this comes out of the old human rights approach, which I thought we dealt with, but apparently it's coming back, which is the guilty until 
proven innocent. Like if I say that you have said something racist about me or misogynist about me, it's incumbent on you to prove that you didn't do that and that your intent was honorable, which is almost impossible because if I'm feeling hurt or harm, how can you ever say that's not legitimate? And you can't. I mean, that's what happens in, that's pretty routine now in workplace harassment cases and that sort of stuff. Has harassment occurred? Um, she felt harassed, therefore harassment occurred. Um, the Whoever is at the victim's end is, is the, the assumption is made that it has occurred and the whoever's accused. So this, you know, and, and people can debate that, but oddly these things occur without anybody ever really debating it. Um, yeah, when you're giving and, and, us and, a fundamental right of, of, you know, innocent until proven guilty versus guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, and and when it comes to the C thirty six attitude, there's this again. There, there's there's these assumptions made um, that you know that some of this speech is terrible, therefore democracy is threatened. I mean, that's what Gilbo said. Tried to excuse yeah. it. No, no, yeah. no, no. We're 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 making free speech possible by regulating it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yes, right? it is. It, it's, it's illogical. <laughs> it abandons reason. It's 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 contrary. It's it's Orwellian. Um, you know, it's like uh, the path to freedom is slavery. Uh, it's it's yeah. it's silly. But to, yeah. to go to the point is, there is a proper role for the government to make sure companies that have got very large, like Facebook, right, mm-hmm. or entities very large like Google, are not abusing their monopoly power. Right. If um, if there's a very proper role for government, if you want to regulate the Internet for getting in there and saying, hey, Facebook. Why are you who are you canceling? Who are you preferring? Are you are you canceling more conservative or more social or more progressive or more liberal speech? We're getting a lot of complaints from people who feel that. you know, your proprietor, basically, Mr. Zuckerberg, is pers- using this vehicle to pursue his own ideological agenda, which is, you know, one of the legitimate reasons for broadcasting um, regulation in the past was to was to make sure that people who had a monopoly asset in a marketplace weren't using it as a bully pulpit, right? So, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a legitimate role there to ensure that these companies, this, the, the very large ones that have got into uh, what you would call an anti-competitive position, sort of monopoly position, aren't abusing their market, their dominance in the market, um, and are conducting themselves fairly. I mean, that's why but, Facebook itself created its oversight board. But sunlight itself, transparency, is is, is that's what's going to help us. If we know that Mark... Zuckerberg is writing big checks to the Democratic Party and that he only cancels conservatives and he supports Democrats, whatever the case may be, then at least if we know that, we can judge what we consume off his sites. Yeah, and I mean, I think the people at Facebook have been have been as up reasonably upfront about that, that they get it that transparency is the issue. Their own oversight boards report uh, that just came out last week said Facebook's not being transparent enough, yeah. right? So you need to know how um, those algorithms work, yeah. Yes, and, and algorithms, algorithms are another thing. I mean, people behaving badly, this is, 
I think what C36 is, it's looking out at the internet and saying, oh, man, there's a lot of people behaving badly out there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, people have been behaving badly for a very, very long time, right? Um, and people, they shout at each other, they do this and that and that sort of thing. The difference with the internet, so what is the, what is different about the internet? The, the, part of the difference is the rest of us can see it all the time, yeah. right? So, and we're aware of it. And algorithms, what are they doing, right? Why are they driving me to here or there? Why can't I control my settings? Or how can I control my settings? Or, you know, like you're sort of being overwhelmed. And here we are being left with a choice of, so that who's going to be my daddy, big tech or big government, yeah. Yeah. right? And you know what? It's my speech, right? They don't own it. I do, right? right? It's my speech. Why are you just two guys arguing over who gets to write? This is mine, right? Yeah. Or this is my post. This is my footprint. I know it's your company, but this is my data, right? This is This is my preference when I go to... You know, if I go to a Air Canada site and I type in Barbados and for the next two weeks, all I get, are, you know, all I see are pictures of yes, Barbados, absolutely. right? I yep. want to be able to opt out of that, yep. right? I want to be, I want to be as, I want to have options to enhance my privacy while being online, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have some things I don't want my grandchildren to see. <laughs> right. I mean, or whatever it is. Until whatever they you, grow up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Until they grow up. Um, but but it's but but those are the sorts of things that if you're going to build that sort of stuff, you have to put the freedom and liberty of the citizen, the consumer at the center of it, rather than putting the interests of government and the interests of big tech. Here we are getting stuck in the middle. So if you want to get into that, there are some good reasons to be regulating very large firms on the internet and that's to make sure they are giving are pr protecting your privacy and your yeah. data giving you control over what not shutting it down yeah yeah and if you, and if you want to say no hey i'm happy for the algorithms right yeah. i i agree to it and that sort of stuff and to me i think it'd be almost like one of those uh uh I've heard that people, when they go to casinos, let me put it this way, can, can get a little warning that pops up that says, you've now been gambling for 30 minutes. Do you want yeah. to continue? Yeah. Right? You could have something on your Facebook page that popped up and said, and, and says, it's been, it's time for your three-month checkup on your privacy settings. Do you wish to continue as is, or would you like to do something like that? You can do things like that, yeah, but it puts the consumer in charge. Yeah, not these other companies. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's just really troubled me as we wrap this up here today. You've done this report. Uh, you and Conrad Van Finkelstein, you have access to putting uh, an editorial in the paper because you were poobahs in the CRTC, right? You, you've got uh, a name and position. When we watched over the summer and we talked to uh, a group called Open Media, they were one of the ones that submitted a response to Bill C-10. They said it was dangerously misguided in its approach. The message from all the people, because they exchanged their own submissions, which were not allowed to be public, which were not allowed to be accessed by the public. Almost everybody was saying the same thing. Yet we don't know if they're going to listen to that at all. Maybe they'll listen to you and Conrad with your editorial. Maybe they'll read your report from the McDonald Laurier. 
But but this process itself, and this is what is so troubling, is that even the public commentary and debate about C10 has been kept secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of this, uh, just to mildly uh, correct, is, is that a lot of this was about C36. Yes, um, C10 exactly. and, C and C36. Yeah. But yeah, Michael Geist, uh, Dr. Michael Geist at yep. the University of Ottawa, has done a very good job of documenting the submissions, even though the government wouldn't really, you know, post yeah. them, right? I mean, this, what is the point of having a consultation when you don't know what the what people are saying, right? Exactly. I mean, that's that's chilling, right? Yes. Um, maybe it was because during the election, they didn't want it to come up as an issue. Um, <laughs> certainly nobody really? made this. <laughs> and certainly nobody made this an election issue, which no. frankly, I, I was... I would have thought the conservatives might have, yeah. or that there's somebody who actually is, you know, not so afraid of a lobby group that they will actually say what they think is right, you know, and 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 get into this. So we could at least have a debate about it. But we never had a debate about it. It was in the liberal platform. The conservatives had alternatives in their platforms, but nobody talked about it, right? Um, in terms of that. But when you go through those submissions, the ones that 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 Dr. Geist has documented, I mean, these are not from, um, you know, a series of right-wing libertarian think tanks. No, these are from right across, and, and open media would just shiver at the thought that they would be thought of in that, in, 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 in that no, sense. These, these were from across the board, people from, you know, whose instincts are on one side, and on yeah. the other. Right and, across the political spectrum. And, and politically and neutral and, right and agnostic. Piece. Yep. Uh, and any number of civil liberties groups saying, basically, oh my God, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were pretty. They were pretty clear. They were very unequivocal. Um, and and you know, a lot of people like Geist, Emily Laidlaw at the University of Calgary, um, a lot of experts on this, uh, Canadian Civil Liberties Union, various civil liberties bodies. I mean, it's pretty much unanimous. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there is a chance because they didn't get their necks stuck out as far as on C-36 as they did with C-10. Right. Right. And that there doesn't seem to be a specific lobby group identifiable tied to C-36 um, that they mm -hmm. feel like they must please, um, which is really sad when you're making public policy to yep. please a specific lobby group. But there you go. Um I think there's some chance they might back away on that one um, or at least come up with well, something. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they say the core purpose is, you know, to stop hate speech, um, but they don't really want to redefine hate speech. Right. No, and we've we got laws a, on that. We've yeah. already got a law They, you know, child porn, um, sharing of intimate images. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's about five things there. They're all illegal already. Right. I mean, the the internet is not, you know, outside the legal system, right? Everybody says it's the Wild exactly. West. No, it's not. The yeah. criminal law applies there. The still applies. Law applies there. Um, you know, online creeps get arrested all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, for various attempts at seduction and 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 sharing of, of things that images that are illegal, etc. It happens all the time, right? So again. Where is, um, where's the where's the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, 
nobody's going to say I'm opposed to getting tougher on child porn, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to say I'm opposed to this sort of stuff. But That's okay, so go ahead. Yeah. Right. But but then you're trying to bundle, you're trying to smuggle all this other stuff in behind it, right? You put these things out front, right? And then you smuggle everything else in behind it. And that's just dishonest, right? So if you oppose it, then they just say, oh, look at you. You're You're in favor of hate speech. You're in favor. You're a child pornographer and that sort of stuff. It's And that's a uh, tiresome. Yeah. No, it really was. And I think we used the phrase the last time we spoke, the Trojan horse, and and, yeah. and that seemed to be a deliberate act. Peter, yeah. it's so great to have you um, come back and, and walk through all of this stuff with us, because I think we're talking about some very fundamental rights as individuals and as a society here. And we've got to know what what path we're going down. Yep. Now uh, we have to figure out how if people can actually get as mad about losing the freedom of their speech as they are about putting a mask on, yes, then we'll yes, get someplace. I wish, uh, <laughs> I'm a thousand percent with you on that. I wish we would uh, choose our priorities a little more fundamentally. I mean, Just seriously, to, yeah. Thanks, Peter. So yeah, you you know him, but he uh, spent his a good part of his life in newspapers as a journalist, as an executive and then went on to the CRTC where he was vice chair of telecommunications. So he knows a little bit about what he's talking about. This is the world that he was trying to regulate it. And so when he says we have to rethink that, it's uh, it's really worth paying attention to. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Peter. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Great. See you again. That is it for No Nonsense for today. We'll talk again soon.